Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Uh, what we're doing and what we've been uh, speaking about during this semester is that we've been talking about the process of purpose. Somebody say the process of purpose. We've been taking a look at Paul's life and what we've been doing is that we've been looking at as he stepped into all that God had for him and what we've noticed and the reason why we're talking about it is that Paul's life, he just didn't step into God's business easily or right away, but that there was a process to it. And I believe that it's the same way for you and I is that when we step into God's best, uh, there's a process attached to it. There's a process attached uh, to your promise and to your purpose. And so in part one, what we looked at is that we looked at Paul, um, Paul's life before Christ. Um, does anybody remember their life before Christ? Uh, some of us try not to remember it. Um, but it was all about Paul's life before Christ and what the message was about is that it doesn't matter what your past looks like. When you have Jesus enter the picture, now you have a future to look forward to. Because if you look at Paul, Paul was a religious, fanatical, uh, really murderers of the people who follow after Jesus. And he had this crazy past. Let me tell you something. If God can turn Saul into Paul, he can turn whatever mess you think you have into a beautiful artwork of his purpose in your life. And what the message was about is that it doesn't matter what our past looks like with Jesus. We have a future to look forward to. Um, part two, we talked about um, Paul on his way to Damascus and how Jesus interrupted uh, his life to show him the way, to show him a direction that changed his life forever. And we learned that there will be times in our life, these non-debatable experiences that we have to, with Jesus that, that we know no matter what happens, we can look back at that moment and say, God has something for me. Because we had a, had a non-deniable you know, road to Damascus moment, and I know that God has a promise and a purpose on my life. What we're doing with part three is that we're looking at, at Paul's life um, after he has been called um, by Jesus, but before he fully steps into everything that God had for him and his promise and his purpose. If there's a way I can best explain uh, this time of Paul's life, uh, I can probably be best said like an in-between season, a uh, preparing season, a, a time where he's, he's in between God's promise and his reality of the present. You know, he's, he's not quite there yet, but he's not where he used to be. He's kind of in between. Um, and so Paul talked about this time of his life in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, um, through chapter 2, verse 2. So that's what we're going to read this morning. Can you stand with me in honor of God's word? And don't worry, you won't be staying too long. Uh, but we're going to read from uh, Galatians chapter 1, verses 15, uh, verse 2, or chapter 2 ver through verse 2. And it says this, as Paul talked. He said, before even I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Who's thankful in the house or watching online? Who's thankful for God's marvelous grace? I mean, because Paul didn't say God called me because I was capable he didn't say, God called me because I had all these qualities or because I was perfect. He said, no, it had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with his grace. God called me because of his grace. I just want to encourage somebody. You might not think that you have any kind of qualities. You might not think you have good at this or good at that. But none of those things matter when it comes to Jesus because it's not based on that anyways. It's based on his marvelous grace. And as we continue, this says, then it pleased him to reveal his son to me. So that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you and me. That's you and me. 
when this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away into Arabia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter, and I stayed with them for 15 days. The only other apostle I met at this time was James, the Lord's brother. I declare before God that what I'm writing to you is not a lie. And after that visit, I went into the north provinces of Syria and Cilicia, and still the churches in Christ that are in Judea didn't know me personally. All they knew what was people were saying about me. That one who used to persecute, persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. And in 14 years later, everybody say 14 years, 14 years. I went back to Jerusalem again. But this time with Barnabas and Titus came along too. And I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. And while I was there, I met privately with those considered to be the leaders of the church. And said with them the message I've been preaching to the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement. For fear that all my efforts had been wasted. And I was running the race for nothing. Turn to your neighbor and say the title for this morning's message. Say the price of purpose. The price of purpose, and after you said that, you can be seated. Thank you for standing. Uh, let us pray right now over service. Father, we thank you that you've gathered us this morning um, to grow closer to you, God, that we did not come out of routine, but we came for a relationship. We came for you, Jesus. So right now, God, let us have open minds and soft hearts. Let us be able to step into everything that you have for us uh, this morning, God. So right now, we just thank you for miracles, signs, and wonders taking place. We thank you for chains falling off of people, God. We thank you that somebody's watching online right now, and you're going to free them from depression this morning. God, I just thank you, God. And we come out with expectation and faith. We're all believing together for your best to take place this morning. We love you so much, Jesus. And Father, we just ask you one more thing to please help out the Houston Rockets, God. Help them win some more games. Or, or God, at least help them lose the rest of their games so they can get a good draft pick in the upcoming draft. In the name of Jesus. And everybody says, amen, amen, amen. Come on, why don't you give Jesus a hand clap this morning? If there's, um, <clears throat> if there's one thing I really don't understand, I don't understand those people who enjoy running for fun. Like, I don't understand those people who just run around in circles. See, I, 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 love, I, I, I love being, you know, active. I love playing football, basketball, baseball, whatever. I love doing that stuff. But I, I don't understand the people who s will spend hours just running around in circles. You're not trying to catch a ball, not trying to tackle, like this running around in circles. I, I, I don't understand that. You know, and there's some people who really actually enjoy that. If that's you, more power to you. Uh, I never understand you, but more power to you. Uh, when I was in eighth grade, um, the school I attended made everybody who played football uh, to, to be a part of track. And if you don't know what track is, all track is is running in circles, okay? The exact thing that I don't enjoy to do. Um, and so when I got into my first track season, I, I really didn't take it seriously. And then what they put, what the races they, they told me to run, my coaches told me to run, was long distance. If anybody runs track, you know, that's the worst thing to do if you don't like running. You know, it's the long distance, the long races. So, uh, you know, I'm preparing or, or trying to prepare for these for, and practice for long distance. And if, if anybody has ever been in track before, you, you know that the coaches don't really pay attention to the long distance runners during practice. 
because they're just running around like somewhere far away. So you can like hide somewhere and they won't even know it. You know, they'll just think you've been running this whole time. And so basically I would just like, I don't enjoy this. So I just didn't do it. I didn't take it seriously. You know, I, I didn't like running. And so we get to the, to the track meet, um, the time to compete. And um, I, I, I get up to, to, you know, the starting line. And, and really my thought was, let's just get this over with. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best, but I just want to get this over with. And uh, so I was running the 800-meter race. If you don't know what that is, that's two laps around the track, about a half mile long. And uh, so I get to the starting line, and then that, you know, the, the starting shot goes off, and I go out in like a full sprint. Like, oh, I go all out right away. If you know anything about long-distance running, you know that it's not about going in a full sprint. It's about maintaining a pace so that when you get to the end of the race, then you can, you know, exert all your energy in the fast last seconds of the race. If, if, but here's the thing. I, I, I didn't know that. I wasn't preparing for that. I just went out in a full-on sprint right away. And let me tell you something. Right away, I was in first place. And I was like, man, this is, this is easy, you know? Like, I'm in first place, and by the time, you know, it was like halfway done through the first lap, I had like four or five steps on, on the next person in second place. And I was like, man, I'm just going to coast to this like track like all you do is run in circles like there's nothing to it like I like what what's the big deal about this um but it was around the point of when I was finishing the first lap when my body told me something my body told me my body said Caleb we're not prepared for this because <laughs> I'm running a full sprint I get to like around this earth and all of a sudden my body's like telling me okay like, uh, you better do something or, like, this race better end soon because you're about, you're about to collapse. And so I'm, like, done with the first lap. I'm like, oh, oh no. I'm like, oh, just get me to the finish line. And let me tell you something, church family. I was in first place by a long shot for three quarters of that race. And I was representing well. But about the end of the last leg of the race, my legs started shutting down. You know, has anybody been to in that moment when your legs turn into, like, cement? Has ever, anybody been there? Like, you've been running so much, and you can, like, barely pick it up, and, like, you're, like, trying to move it, but they're not going anywhere. So I reached that spot in my, in my body. I'm running, and all I remember is that all these runners passing me up like they were going 80 miles per hour. I was like, well, I'm going a full sprint right now. These people are just passing me up, and I went from first to last in about 10 seconds. Everybody passed me up because basically – I look back, they have a video of it. Actually, I was basically walking at the end of the race. And everybody's just like, da, 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 da. I'm just like, you know, trying to finish. And I remember crossing that finish line and the, and the coach looking at me and saying, you know, next time you better prepare better. You know, you better practice right. You better take this seriously because right when I crossed that finish line, I didn't take another step. I just, like, I just collapsed on the grass and I laid there for a good 30 minutes. I, I remember just, just laying there. I couldn't move. But see, it wasn't my lack of ability that got me last place. It was my lack of preparation. And I learned it firsthand, the old proverb, that failure to prepare is preparing to fail. And I learned that. And so later in, the, in those track meets, you know, I, I practiced better, I prepared better, um, and I performed better. But it wasn't based on my ability. It was based on my preparation. We're talking about Paul. Paul had a purpose on his life, and his purpose was this, that, that Jesus told him, he said that you are going to go out and you're going to spread my name, my message to the Gentile world, and you're going to go out and you're going to spread the, the goodness and the, and the grace of God. 
to the Gentiles. And if you don't know what the Gentiles is, the Gentiles is anybody of non-Jewish descent. So most likely you and me. And if you're full-blooded Jew watching online or in person, congratulations. But he said it's going out into the Gentile world. Why have he said that? Because it actually says in Timothy that God desires for every man to know about the knowledge and the truth. That, every salva that salvation is for everybody, not this for the Jewish nation, but for everybody. And because of really what Paul started, well, really because of Paul taking that step of faith, now the message of Jesus has reached every nation here on earth. Yeah. My answer is a hand clap. Yeah. And, it, and, it's, and it, it says that now there's over 3 billion people on earth who claim Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's over 30% of the population. And it all happened. Because of missionaries, that's why I thank God for missionaries and for what God has called them to do of going out to people who don't even know about the name of Jesus and telling them about his goodness. But that was the purpose on his life, was to go out into the world and spread the message of Jesus. Because really from, from before that point, the message had really just been constrained into the proximity of Israel. It hasn't really spread up to the point, but Paul's one who led that charge. But from the point of Jesus calling him to go out into the world and be a missionary to the Gentiles, from that point to the actuality of him going on his first mission trip, it said 14 years went by. Everybody say 14 years. For 14 years, Paul was caught in between a future promise where he knows God was taking him, and he was caught right between a future promise and his present reality for 14 years. I mean, can anybody relate being caught between the present and, and a promise? Can anybody relate to being somewhere presently, but you know that God has a future promise ahead of you, but you're not there yet? You're kind of caught in between. That's where Paul finds himself. Like you, you're, you're, you're caught right now, and you're caught in the job that you have now, but you know that God has a future business that he wants you to start, but you're kind of caught in between right now. Or, or, you, or, or you might be the, the only person in your family who lives a Christian life and who loves Jesus, but you know that there's a promise that God's gonna, his love's going to overcome your whole family, and you're going to watch your whole family come to church, and you're just going to be amazed about the promises coming to pass. Or you might be a, a, a single person in this room, and you're just waiting to get to that promise of the man of God or the woman of God, right? Uh, what advice to any single people in the house? Um, you attract what you prepare for. You attract what you prepare for. So if you want that woman of God to come, you better start preparing yourself as the man of God. Because you're not going to attract no woman of God if you're not acting like a man of God. So any, any, any single people out there, just make sure that you're being the person that you want to attract. Because you attract who you are. But see, God will not give us anything that we're not prepared for. He will not hand us anything that we haven't gone through the preparation for. See, Paul waited 14 years to fully step into his purpose. But you and I, can, we can barely wait 14 minutes to get our appetizer sometimes. I don't know about you, but after 14 minutes, I'm like, hey, go get your manager, okay? Like, we're suffering right now, okay? Like, you know, it's like, but we can, but Paul waited 14 years, and if you, if you look at the life of Paul, and you see that uh, the, the season of preparation, and you think to yourself, that is not an isolated moment in Scripture. If you study Scripture, there's actually a pattern of God's people going through seasons of preparation before they step fully into their purpose. 
It happens over and over and over again. And it's, this is what something I've learned, that if there's a pattern of it happening in Scripture, i got to know that's going to happen in my life. And so here's an example, Noah. Noah was promised by God that a flood was coming, but the first raindrops didn't start falling until 120 years later, but he was preparing up to that moment. Abraham was promised that his descendants would number the stars at the age of 75, but it wasn't until he turned 100 years old that the promised son Isaac came into fruition, 25 years. King David, he was anointed to be king at the age of 16, but it wasn't until he was 32 that he stepped into that calling that God had for him. But there was preparation. God was preparing for him. You look at Jesus. If there was ever somebody who wouldn't need to go through the preparation season because they were perfect enough, who wouldn't need to go through that season of struggle because they were perfect. you think that would be Jesus, right? Like Jesus, I wouldn't think Jesus would need to study for a test, you know. He would just should know the answers, you know, automatically. I don't think Jesus would really need to train because, you know, he's that perfect person. He doesn't need to go through that preparation. But even Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was 30 years old. And even Mary, his mom, tried to convince him to, to start a little bit earlier, but he told his own mom, said, hold up, wait, wait, it's not my time has not come yet. God's still preparing me. So if the Son of Man went through a season of preparation before he could step into his purpose, how much more should you and I expect for us to go through a season of preparation, a season of an in-between, a season of being in the middle before we step fully into everything that God has for us? How much more should we expect? Because this is something that I've learned about in between seasons. This is something that I've learned about being in the middle of something. It's that it was in the seasons when I felt like I was in between, and at the times they might seem insignificant, and at the times might seem like we don't have a promise or purpose on my life. But when I look back, and I look back at those seasons, I realize that those were the seasons that were most instrumental to my purpose. That it was in the isolated seasons that I had in my life. That's when I discovered my identity in Christ. It was the in-between seasons of my life when I was struggling. I had nowhere else to turn. I didn't know where else to go. That's where the seasons of my life where I learned how to, to manage faith. And that's when I learned belief. It was those in-between seasons in life. Now, I, I want to encourage somebody who's watching online. I want to encourage somebody in the room that if you're found in an in-between season, don't let the enemy try to convince you that it's insignificant. Don't let the enemy convince you that this isn't part of God's plan. I would say the contrary. I would say that you're exactly doing and you're exactly at the place that God wants you to be because he's, about to, he's preparing you for something. He's taking you somewhere. And those are times when God brings what out of us. Sometimes we've got to be squeezed to find out what's inside of us. Sometimes we have to go through some pressure before we find out what we're capable of. Peter said it like this, because this, this is what I want people to realize, is that you have a purpose and a promise on your life. And sometimes when we go through seasons of preparation, the enemy tries to convince us that the promise is too far off, that we don't have a purpose, that we're in the middle because we're lost, because we don't know where to go. But, but Peter said it like this. He said that you're a chosen people. He said that you're a royal priesthood. He said that you're a holy nation, God's special possession, and that that is on us, that purpose is on us, so that we can give praise unto him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. That is why there's purposes on our life. We don't have purpose on our life to bring glory to ourselves. We don't have a promise on our life to bring, to bring glory to our qualities, to bring glory to how talented we are. God puts a purpose and a promise on your life so that when you go through the preparation and you step into the, his purpose, then you, all you can do is put your fingers up to the sky and say, I'm not here by my works. I'm not here by my strength, but I'm here because God, God 
taught me some things. God brought me to some places. And now I'm able to step into something because now I'm ready for it. I'm prepared for it. Listen to what Paul says about preparation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. He said, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But you and I, church, you and I, church, we run our race for an internal, eternal prize. So he said, I, so I run with purpose in every step because I'm not just shadow boxing. Turn to your neighbor and say, this isn't just for show. I don't come to church. I don't read the Bible. I don't believe in God. This so I can people see, and it's for show. No, what, what Paul was saying, you see me, this isn't, this isn't just for show. I'm not just shadow boxing. There's a purpose on my life. There's a reason why I'm doing all these things. And he said, I discipline my body like an athlete, training in it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Because this is what was happening. This is what he was explaining to the Corinthian church. The Corinthians were looking at Paul, seeing all the things that God has been doing through him, looking at all the things that, that Paul has accomplished. And what Paul was telling the Corinthian church, he says, yeah, you're seeing where I'm at. You're seeing my purpose. You're seeing the promises and how they come in fruition. But let me tell you something. You don't know the preparation I went through. You have no idea the kind of discipline that went unseen for me to get to this place. You have no idea the struggles I had to go through to get to this promise of being able to spread the message of Jesus. You have no idea. So, yeah, you look at me, and let me tell you something. It might look all this, but I, I, God, I had a preparation season before all this happened. This didn't happen by accident. I didn't step into my purpose by some magical moment. It happened for a reason, and it happened by accident. It happened by assignment of preparation that God had in my life. When Paul was telling the Corinthian church, he said, I prepare myself for my purpose because I fear if I'm not correctly prepared for what God has for me, then I might get to my purpose. I might be able to talk the talk, but I won't be able to walk the walk. I, I don't know about you, church family, but I don't want to just talk about where God's taken me. I want to walk where God's taken me. I don't want to just talk about the promises of God. I want to walk in the promises of God. I don't want to just talk about my purpose. I want to walk in my purpose. But here's the thing. You can't step into anything. You can't step into any kind of promise or purpose that you're not prepared for. God will never place something on your life if you're not prepared for it. It leads us to point number one this morning. We forfeit our purpose when we fail to prepare for it. We forfeit our purpose when we fail to prepare for it. We can't step into anything that God has promised us if we then try to overlook or try to take the shortcut through the preparation phase. If you try to take a shortcut through the preparation phase, you're going to come up short of your promise. You're going to come up short of your purpose. You see, we have to take on that preparation phase not as something that is out of God's will, but as something that God's preparing me for. So when that preparation phase comes, we have to be willing to go through it. We have to be willing to prepare ourselves for that promise, for that purpose. Because let me tell you something, church family, the world's going to try to convince you to not go through the preparation. The world's going to try to convince you. The enemy's going to try to convince you to say, hey, look, it's not here yet. It's not going to happen. It's not going to come to pass. You might as well stop preparing for it because it's not actually going to happen. And what they're trying to do is they're kind of trying to steal and take away the purpose that's over your life. 
But the thing about preparation is that it requires patience. Preparation requires patience. Sometimes it requires us not living up to our timing but his. Sometimes it requires us submitting to where God is taking us and to his timing instead of wanting it to happen conveniently because in the society that we live in, it is totally built on making things quicker, faster, and more convenient. That's the kind of society that we live in. We live in a society that is built on instant gratification. It is built on making things more convenient, making things happen quicker, making things get to you so fast that you don't even realize that there was a process or preparation time. It's built on that. Their studies actually show that consumers are more willing to settle for something of less quality if it means that it gets there quickly. So that means that if they see a product and it has Amazon Prime on it, and even though it might have like lower stars review, but if it shows they can get there quicker and click on that rather than something that's going to get here later, even if it's better quality. And so we get so caught up in instant gratification. We get so caught up in things happen so conveniently that we then try to apply it to our purpose, to our promises, to our relationships. We try to apply it to the things of God. And then we, we, we take our relationships, we, we, we take what God has given us, and we think that it's going to happen quickly. We think it's going to happen conveniently. And we try to make things happen more quicker, more faster. We try to skip over processes. We try to make shortcuts. We try to make things happen on our timing. And what we do is that in our pursuit of making things happen more quickly, we cheapen the quality. And we settle for things less than God's best just because it happened quicker and easier more convenient. And then we have the gall to then complain about the relationships that we're in, even though we didn't even try to put in the time to get to know the person because we wanted it to happen quickly. I'll tell you something, if it's of high quality, it's going to take some time to get there. There's no cutting short the process. There's no bypowering the, the preparation time. And so then we try to apply it to our purpose to the things of God, to the promises of God. We try to apply it to, the, to, to what God has called us to step into. And what we do, we take our purpose, and we're looking at it, and we see the preparation time that it has on it. Uh, and we see that, that, that God's calling us to do some things. And so we want to we speed up our purpose. We want it to happen more conveniently, more, more happen on our timing. And so we take our purpose, and we throw it in the microwave to speed it up. And we throw it, so man, I, I want to speed up this process. I want to speed up the preparation time. And then when we get to it, we finally get to the final product, we're confused when it doesn't lift up to expectations or to the promises of God. Because let me tell you something, church. Your purpose is not a chimichanga, okay? Your purpose is in a taco. It's not meant to happen conveniently. It's not meant to happen quickly. It's not meant to happen on your timing. It's not meant to happen so easily that you didn't even have to prepare. It's not meant to happen without a season of preparation. It's not meant to happen without going through a season of struggle. We have to rely on the, on the voice of God. See, when your purpose and your promise is at stake, it's not going to happen out of a microwave. It's not going to happen on your timing. It's not going to happen so easily. It's not going to happen so conveniently. Matter of fact, it's going to cost you something. Matter of fact, you might have to go through some seasons where you're questioning some things, but then you choose to step up in your faith in the preparation, and you realize that that preparation was so that you can grow some appreciation of your purpose. 
Because here's the thing. You will not appreciate things if they didn't come at a price. You will not appreciate your purpose if you didn't have to pay anything for it. Because you, you, if, if, if you came so conveniently and so easily, you won't, even, you won't even recognize it as something from God. But when you had to go through something, when you had to go through some preparation, when you had to go through some seasons in your life, when you had to go through some things and, and you're realizing, saying, God, I don't understand, but then you lean more onto what God has taken you, you lean more onto his word, and God brings you to that preparation, to that process. And then when you finally get to the purpose that he promised, I'm telling you right now, you're going to appreciate it so much more because it came at a price. They come conveniently. They come quickly. So when we get to our times of preparation, don't think that that's a time that God's trying to hold you back. Sometimes we can be confused and we can think that the season of preparation that I am in right now, this process that I'm in right now, we can confuse ourselves and listen to the lies of the world or the enemy and think that God is holding me back. Because I want it to happen now, I want it to happen conveniently, and I want it to happen quickly. And we bypass the process because we don't understand it. But when that time of preparation comes, know that it's not meant to hold you back. What God's doing, he's building you up. What God is doing is that he's transforming you into the per- person who's going to be able to handle the purpose. And so what I want to encourage somebody this morning, you might find yourself in a waiting season, a preparation season. You might find yourself in the middle of something that you don't understand. But don't think for a second that that season of waiting or preparation, don't think for a second that's the time to take your foot off the gas. Don't think that's the time to put in cruise control. Don't think that that's the time, okay, uh, um, you know, I'm just I'm coming waiting I'm in preparation time right now, then that means I can, I can relax on my study time, I can relax on my time with Jesus. No, when you are in your preparation time, that's when you have to go all in on the promises of God that he has in your life. That's when you have to go all in, all in on spend time in his presence and making sure that my faith is being built up in this moment, making sure that I'm stepping out in my belief, making sure that I'm doing my best to understand the identity that I have in Christ because right now I need to understand that God is preparing me for something. God is taking me places. God is preparing to take me places that I have no understanding of. And what I'm trying to say is that during the seasons of preparation, that's the time to go all in on your faith. That's the time to go all in on Jesus. Like if you're a young person in this place and you're in between uh, jobs or in between what your education, whatever it is, now's not the time to coast. That's the time to go all in on your identity. And don't let the, the world try to convince you that you're lost. Don't let the world try to convince you that you have no direction. You need to understand that when you have your trust in Jesus, the world's not going to understand where you're going. Don't you take your directions from the world because they don't understand the purpose that God has in your life. When God's taking you somewhere, you have to go all in on Jesus and realize this preparation time is the time for me to go all in. Let me explain in a way that we can all understand. Here at Riverside Church, we are currently meeting at the Cozy Circle location. But we know that God has a promise for us on Salem Road. We know that we have five acres of paid-off property and that we are middle, in the middle of a preparation season for our new building to go where we know where God's going to gather the families of this community to experience the presence of God. And right now, we're kind of in a preparation season. But let me tell you something. Right now, here at Riverside Church, even though we're in an in-between season, we're not sitting on our hands. 
But in actuality, we've seen growth during this season. We've seen lives be changed during this season. We've seen families come to God together. We've seen miracles happen, wonders happen. We've seen salvations happen. We've seen people receive the, the spirit of baptism happen. And it was an in-between season, the preparation season. Paul says it like this in Romans. Chapter 5, verse 3, he said this. He said, we can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. Somebody say endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Paul was saying to the Roman church, he was saying this the season of preparation you might find yourself in, it's not meant to tear you down. Don't think that this season of preparation is meant to destroy you. Matter of fact, it's, it's meant to build you up. It's meant to change you into the, per, to the person. It's meant to transform you with your character and your faith to get ready for his promises to come. And so Paul said, I count it all joy when I see that I'm in the middle of a preparation season because I know that God has something great on the way. I know that I'm getting prepared for something great to happen into my life. I'm not going to let the world convince me that I'm in a low season. I know that I'm convinced I'm in a waiting season for God's best to happen in my life. That God's preparing me for a purpose that goes beyond my understanding, for preparing me for promises that go beyond belief. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is preparing for something great for me. God is preparing something great for me. Because Paul, that's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying that God is preparing you for something. Because whether or not we recognize it, whether or not we know, this, this is what leads us to point two for this morning, is that preparation is what paves the way to our purpose. Preparation is what paves the way to our purpose. That if we try to avoid the preparation phase, we're going to avoid the promises of God. But when we are in a preparation season, that's what Paul was telling the Romans, when you find yourself in a preparation season, it is paving your way to the promises of God. So don't abandon the, the preparation process, but instead be expectant and knowing that God's best is about to take place in your life. Because whether we recognize it or not, whether we recognize it or not, either consciously or subconsciously, we are all preparing for something. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're preparing for something right now. You're preparing for something right now. Whether you recognize it or not, you're preparing for something right now. But the question is, what are we preparing for? That's a real question for this morning, if I'm being honest. What are you preparing for? Are you preparing for God's best to take place in your life? Or are you preparing for his promises? Are you preparing for his purpose? Are you preparing for the dreams that he's put in your heart? Are, are you preparing for God's purpose to not take place? Are you preparing for his promises to fall short? And, are, uh, and by that, you're, you're creating safety nets and plans B, C, and D because you, what you're really doing is you're saying, God, I know where you're taking me. I know that you promised me this, but God, I, I, don't, I don't know if you're really capable of doing all these things. Sometimes God's promises and purpose seems way bigger than what we're capable, right? And let me just tell you something right now. God's purpose is always going to be more than what you think you're capable of. But when we come to that moment, God promises us something, and we don't prepare for it, 
when we're telling God, when we're, when we're telling God, we're saying, God, I know where you're taking me, but I don't know if I feel faith enough to prepare for it, to adapt for it, to get ready for it. But when we receive a promise from God, and when we feel like that purpose that he's placed inside of us, that that's for us, and we know that it's not coming from the world, it's not coming from man, but it's coming from the Spirit of God, and when we feel that promise come on us, and, in, and when what we do by our response, we begin to prepare for it, what we're telling God in that moment is saying, I, I believe that you're my protector. I believe that you're my provider. I believe that you can do all things. I believe that you can turn around all things. I believe that you're a miracle working God so much that I'm preparing for a miracle to happen. I'm preparing for a miracle to, ha to happen. Imagine a faith like that, preparing for a miracle. Let me explain it like this. What if I told you, without preparing, without training at all, what if I told you that I would go up and try out for the Houston Astros and that I was going to make the team and I would be the starting pitcher the next game? If I told you that without any preparation or training, would you start buying tickets to watch me play? Most of y'all wouldn't, right? Because, like, 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 you know, if you, but if you did buy tickets, that would be an act of faith because you're saying, okay, I believe what you're doing. That's kind of like what Noah did. Noah was in this season of life, and God promised Noah that a flood was coming that would wash away the, the, the world, that would cover the earth. And Noah didn't wait for the first raindrops to fall before he started preparing. Because if he would have waited until the first raindrops to fall, what was meant to be his salvation would have been something that washed him away. But he spent 120 years preparing for a promise, preparing for a miracle, preparing for what he felt God purposed on his heart. Because that's what preparation is when it comes to our spiritual life. Preparation is an act of faith. It takes faith to prepare for something. It, it takes courage to prepare for something that's not yet a reality in your life. It takes you looking up to God and saying, Father, I don't really know how it's going to happen, but you said it's going to happen, so I'm going to prepare for it. That's an act of faith. Here's a definition of preparation when it comes to faith that I want to give you all. Here's a definition of preparation. It's putting action to our faith in anticipation of a promise from God. Putting action to your faith in expectation, in anticipation of a promise from God, of saying, Father, I feel this promise is from you, and I'm going to put action to my faith. I'm not going to sit on it. I'm not going to wait until the first raindrops fall before I start preparing myself. You know what? No, I'm going to start preparing right now. That's faith. As I close, and Haley, you can join me up here, I want to tell you all a story about a couple. So this couple got married, and shortly after they got married, they got saved. I like it how a lot of times that's how God works it out. And shortly after they got married, they got, they got saved, and, and the wife was, was, was reading Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis chapter 1, it, it says that God was commanding humanity to be fruitful and to multiply. Be fruitful and to multiply. And when she read that scripture, she, she took a hold of it like it was a promise from God. Sometimes when you read scripture and it resonates with you, you need to take hold of it and realize that's a promise from God. That, that the word of God isn't this, this speech from a man's mouth, but that's from the, the one who created heavens and earth. And when he says something, you need to take a hold of it. And know that that's for you. 
And it's, she took a hold of that and said, you know what, that promise is for me. I believe that I'm going to be a mother. I believe that I'm going to raise a family. I believe that. And so the couple began trying to start a family. But after a couple years not being able to and, and thinking maybe they were confused and getting discouraged, they went and visited a specialist. And the specialist in fertility told them that, to be honest with them, they told them that it was unlikely. The odds were stacked against them. That honestly, it would be a miracle for them to have a family naturally. But he said, I will try everything I can medically to help it happen. So for the next five years, they, they tried to start a family. And during that five years, they, they, they began to really prepare themselves to be parents. During that five years, the, the husband would take the, 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 the mom on Mother's Day. The husband would, would, would take the wife to, to get a new dress for Mother's Day in, in preparation of becoming a mother one day. The husband and wife would even attend parenting classes without even having a family in preparation of one day having one. The couple was even able to, to witness to, to, to women who, who were so discouraged by the world and that they wanted to have an abortion and abort their baby. But this couple was able to witness to them and tell them about how much of a promise of God it is to be fruitful and multiply. That it doesn't matter how it happens. It doesn't matter how it started. That God still has a plan and a purpose. That he can turn around all things for good. And a couple was able to witness to them, and they chose to still have that baby because of their encouragement. And this couple, after five years of trying, after five years of trying to make it happen, they, they, they visit that specialist, and the specialist looked at them and said, look, I'm sorry, but it's just not going to happen. We tried everything medically possible. We, we've tried everything that we know how to do, and there hasn't even been a little bit, there have been no results. And so he begin telling them that they need to start preparing themselves and looking to adoption and start going on with that process and so the couple takes that news and and they begin to pray about it but but then the 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 wife begins to remember the promise that God told her that one day she would be a mother and that they would have a family she stood on that promise and she said you know what I'm gonna believe for God's best to happen so they prayed and they prayed out to God for it to for for his promises to come to pass and then a month later they went up for their monthly checkup with the specialist, and, and they went in there, and the, and, the, and the husband's waiting in the waiting room, waiting for, for the news to come back, and he sees his wife come out with tears running down her eyes. And automatically, the husband gets angry and discouraged and frustrated because saying, God, we're doing everything that we know. We're staying firm on your promises, but we get disappointed time and time again. And all of a sudden, he, he sees that the tears down her eyes, that she's not crying, but that she's laughing. And, he's, and the wife tells him, that by the total astonishment of the specialist that she is now one month pregnant. And they give God praise at that moment. And over the next five years, they have three children. See, that couple was my mom and dad. And I'm standing in, in front of you this morning because somebody had the faith to prepare for a promise. Somebody had the faith to say, I know what the world's saying. I know what man is saying. I know what medically they're trying to tell me right now. But it doesn't matter the no's. It doesn't matter the maybe's. I'm preparing for a yes from God. And because of that, they had children and had more than grandchildren. And they even had to stop trying because God was being too fruitful. 
But I told you that story because we've got to prepare for a promise. You can stand with me this morning. I'm closing. We've got to understand when God puts a promise on your life, it's not something to take lightly. It's not something to doubt. It's not something to say, I don't know, maybe it will, maybe it won't. It's not something to be confused about. It's something to stand firm on. It's something to use as your foundation. It's saying that God promised me something. God purposed me to do something. God has put a calling on my life, and I'm not going to be confused by the enemy. I'm not going to let him bring me down. I'm not going to let him think that, that I'm not capable. And no matter, matter of fact, I'm going to start preparing for the promise to happen. I'm going to start preparing for the miracle that was promised. I'm going to start preparing for my purpose. I want to leave you with this, with this thought this morning. I want to leave you with this thought that the price of purpose is paid in the preparation for it. The price of purpose is paid in the preparation for it. When you have purpose, when you have a promise put over your life, you need to understand that that preparation season is not a forgotten season, that that waiting season is not a wasted season, but that season of the in-between, that is actually part of God's plan. That is actually part of his purpose. That is actually part of the promise is that you're going to have to go through a preparation season. You're going to have to go through a waiting season, and it might feel like a struggle. You might have to feel like sometimes confused, but if you just stand firm on the promises of God, if you just stand firm on your identity in Christ, if you don't let the news of the world, the opinion of men, bring you too low, and you say, you know what, Father, I'm going to believe in you no matter what. That preparation season is going to turn into your purpose. It's going to turn into your promise. It's going to turn into the breakthrough that you're searching for. It's going to turn into that moment with God that you're going to see that your moments of faith do not come back in vain. But that you're preparing for something. So what I want us to do this morning is I want us to begin to stir up our faith I want us to begin to think about the promises, the purpose. And let me tell you something. There's some promises and purpose in this room. There's some passions that have been realized you're watching online that God hasn't forgotten about it. God hasn't forgotten about the promise he gave you. God hasn't forgotten about the purpose he's put on your life. You're just in preparation for it right now. So all I want us to do in this moment is to draw a circle around yourself. Begin to let the, the faith build up inside of you. Say, you know what, God? I'm going to begin to prepare for the promises. I'm going to begin to prepare for the purpose that you put on my life. I'm not going to be confused no longer, but I'll be confident in my faith. So right now, with every hand lifted, begin to stir up faith on the inside of you. And we're going to begin to sing a song. And just let the Holy Spirit begin to build you up. Let the Holy Spirit begin to remind you of your purpose, remind you of your promise, remind you that you have a calling on your life, remind you that you're anointed, remind you that you're a chosen generation, remind you that you're a holy nation, remind you that God has you as a special possession and that he will never forsake you, he will never leave you. If you just realize in your heart that these seasons of waiting is a season of preparation and that God has had something for me in store for me that is going to go beyond my understanding. Let faith begin to build. Come on, let's sing together. 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 Come on, let's sing. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.